Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you want the ability to adjust your loan options in real time, Rocket can. Just got a couple of alerts on my computer for Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there tomorrow. You know how you... um, prove you you love your kid more than anything else i think at least this is how i did it yesterday um and you know if my family's in the car earmuffs ronnie my daughter it's her birthday coming up on wednesday and i had this uh disney princess carriage to build the cinderella disney princess carriage and this thing is like in a huge box like as soon as I saw it get delivered, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to have to build that. Aren't I? <laughs> I didn't even know my, my wife got it. And I saw it, I saw it show up and I was like, oh, no, oh, I, I rue the day that I will have to build that. And yesterday I had some free time. And knowing her birthday's coming up, we decided, you know, it's better to have it built um, before her birthday so she doesn't open it and then it's like can you build it and this thing is like you got to build it and then it's got to charge for 18 hours you know it's one of those like cars you know like that you can get in and ride it's just a, a cinderella disney princess carriage so yesterday i built this thing and boy was it, i mean it's one of the achievements of my life to be honest with you i mean this was this was no small task uh in fact i i even came out of it injured i my big toe i'm looking at it right now is busted open on the top. It's blue. Uh, it was bleeding for a a, a, a lot, rel- relatively profusely, yesterday because I dropped a piece of this princess carriage on my foot. Really hurt. <laughs> no, no, not just for it bad. It really hurt. It still hurts. Uh, it was bleeding. I had to perform some first aid on myself to get back in there. So I was playing hurt as I was putting this this Disney princess carriage together. And I, I built it over the course of, a, I'm going to say four hours it took me. And you may laugh at me if you want. I'm not a, um, you know, I'm not a uh, 
hands-on mechanic dude. It's just not how I'm wired. In fact, we had some people working on a, a room in my basement, and the, the guy was, you know, I was asking him for help at various points on what I should do, and we were kind of joking about how we're all wired different. Like, I talk for a living. He, he builds stuff, <laughs> and it's great that the world has both of us and, you know, <laughs> that we're all able to find our path in life. But I, I nevertheless did construct this Disney princess carriage despite the toe injury and despite the, the small pieces and the confusing directions. I, I don't know. Like the, the two most confusing things in, in life are parking signs and toy kid directions. Uh, you know, and, and I finally put this thing together. It is built. She will have it for her, her birthday. And, and I think nothing proves that I love my kids more than when I do something like that, because that was the worst. Um, but nevertheless, the, the Disney princess carriage is there. And uh, so for all you fathers who have, have gone through something similar, um, you know, the, the, the strain, the stress, the trials and tribulations of, of putting together a child's toy or, or some of their furniture or what have you, um, enjoy Father's Day. Um, you know, and being a dad is awesome. I, I'm obviously just joking around a little bit, though it, it really was hard. I, I mean, I really did struggle with that Disney princess carriage. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Let's go to Mitch in New Jersey. Mitch, you're up on the Robert Ludberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio. Good morning, Robert. Happy uh, Father's Day to you and everybody out there. Thank you. Great. Um, first of all, Clippers, it's about damn time. Sorry, excuse my language there. Um, Paul George, um, Maybe he'll get his monkey off the back. The whole organization is going to get their monkey off the back. I think it's going to be the first time we ever went this year. Hopefully it's my Clippers. I think the Sixers got a little lucky last night because that, that big Ben, uh, it was a miracle that he hit a few foul shots that towards the end there. I think well, I don't, guy, I'm I don't think the I'm Sixers sorry. got lucky. Uh, I mean, yeah, look, uh, Terrence Maxey, uh, I'm sorry, Tyrese Maxey, it was Terrence Mann for the Clippers. Tyrese Maxey, Helped out uh, the the Sixers with some shots, but the, I mean the rest of the Sixers played well. Uh, they played well. They yeah, played well I, defensively. I would say more like I would say with the Hawks kind of uh, messed up towards they they were turning the ball over so many times towards then the last quarter and missing shots. But I'm sorry, back to the Clippers. They finally using the whole team. But um, what's the story with Demarcus Cousins? The guy never gets off the bench if he's healthy. He used to be one of the best centers. Well, one he's. He's barely an NBA player anymore. Um, two, th- look at the way that the Clippers won the game. And thanks for the call. Why did the Clippers win that game? The Clippers won that game because th- they went small, they went five out, and they made Rudy Gobert pay. And Rudy Gobert is not a superstar player or a star-level player. I don't care how many defensive year awards he wins. The-, the Jazz are frauds. And you saw that last night. I know that's harsh, but they're frauds. You know, like... I knew that going into the playoffs, there's no chance they're winning the West or anything like that because Rudy Gobert can't be one of your top two guys. And he was he was played out of that game by the Clippers. If they had, they would have done the Jazz an immense favor by playing DeMarcus Cousins. Instead, they put Rudy Gobert in action that made him have to guard the three-point line, and he couldn't, and the Clippers destroyed the Jazz with the three-point shot. Pretty much that simple. The question then becomes, are the Clippers going to get Kawhi Leonard back? And that they will need against the likes of the Phoenix Suns. That's a different animal. You know, 
Different story against Phoenix, a, a young athletic team with a, a veteran leader in Chris Paul, uh, a born bucket getter in Devin Booker. We'll see what Chris Paul's situation is with the COVID uh, as well, but I would expect him to be back, if not for the beginning of the series, very early in that series. I have no idea what Kawhi Leonard's status is, and, and that obviously looms very large, as does the Game 7 tonight in Brooklyn where you know the the Milwaukee Bucks have outplayed the Nets since Kyrie Irving went down no question about it for the vast majority of those minutes they've outplayed the Nets the Bucks are a very very good team uh Giannis is a beast he's a force I think sometimes he gets criticized too much for what he doesn't do rather than for what he does you know and think of him more like a big rather than a creator or or a shot maker and I, I think your opinion changes a little bit. Chris Middleton's really their their shot maker for them. Um, and the Nets are injured. They're hurt. They're banged up. Kyrie's out. James Harden is playing on one leg. You know, it, the, the Nets, if they were healthy, I think they unquestionably win that series. I think they probably win that series in five games if they're healthy. But they're not. And the Bucks are taking advantage of it. And they've gotten it to a Game 7. But with that said, that Game 7 is at the Barclays Center. You know, Harden took a step forward in Game 6 versus Game 5. Can he take another step forward in Game 7? And Kevin Durant remains the best player on that floor or perhaps any floor. So who do you got tonight? The Nets or the Bucks? And how important is it for Kevin Durant to get that win? 855 Four two two seven eight five five two one two four two two seven. I mean that that win the other night, the historic performance from Durant was was a big deal, right? And and part of the reason it was a big deal is because when he went to Golden State, fair or not, people didn't attach the same weight to those rings because it was almost like a fait accompli. You knew they were going to win, so of course they won. You know the, the team was too stacked. And then he gets to Brooklyn and he's got a stacked team again. Well. All of a sudden, he doesn't have a stack team. At the moment, until James Harden is back to being James Harden, Durant's the only superstar on that team. And he did what you asked for, for from the all-time greats the other night and had a legendary performance. Does he need an encore? You know, Does he need to win this series with those other guys down? And, and how big would it be for him to... to to, to win this series and then go on to win with the Brooklyn Nets. 855-212-4227. Let's go to Allen in Alabama. Allen, you're up next here on the Robin Lundberg Show. What's going on? Hey, man. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, man. Hey, I sympathize with you on the uh, carriage. Uh, I had to build one for my daughter for Christmas. And, uh, yeah, that thing's literally a pain in the butt. It takes you about yeah. four or five hours to put that together. Yeah. <laughs> it did. Uh, I mean, it definitely was at least four hours. And and I'm guessing you dropped the little gearbox on your toe. Is that what you dropped? I don't even remember, to be honest, which part I dropped because I was like, uh, you know, immediately and like, ah! <laughs> and, and I was bleeding, you know, right? I had to go get something to stop the bleed, you know, wash it off and everything. So I, I, I didn't uh, identify the culprit uh, as well as I probably should have. You got the blood off the carriage, though, right? It never. I don't think the blood ever hit the care. I gotta go check that now that you speak of it because it, it it didn't like spout. It didn't like spout upwards. It wasn't that bad. 
Well, hey, uh, we don't have any NBA teams or even NFL teams or any pro teams really down here in Alabama. So uh, our big thing is college football. I know it's off topic, but uh, you think it's fair that the top four teams in this new 12-format playoff sits at home and then doesn't get a home game? Wait, do, do what at home and then don't get a home game? What was the first part of your sentence? The 12-team playoff that college yeah. football uh putting out there. You know, the top four teams get a bye. Oh, oh, and then oh yeah. The next four, the next eight play that home game at the top seeded stadium, and then so you said, go into the quarterfinals on bowl games, not at home. Well, look, I I think at this point in time, a, a bye. First of all, I have to go into the format more, and I, I appreciate the call. Uh, you know, I'd have to go into the the format more closely. I am in favor of the expansion. Uh. Absolutely. I think the college football playoff is anticlimactic the way it is right now. It may still be because you've got a couple programs that just dominate in Alabama, in Clemson, of course, and, and in Ohio State, really. Um, and, and outside of that, does anybody else have a chance? But at least the the drama gets better the more teams you, you put in there. And a bye is a, a huge advantage. So I, I think it's fair for the best teams to get a bye. Um, you know, and then the home field of the higher ranked team would be the advantage otherwise. So I, I really don't, you know, that's part of the incentivizing the regular season a little bit. So I don't, I don't have a, a, an issue with that. No. Uh, let's go to Sam in Michigan. Sam, you're up next here on CBS Sports Radio. What's going on? Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? No, good. So can so for me tonight, it's neither going to be KD's going to go off for 40-plus and have one of those monster games like he did in Game 5. And I, it's neither going to be him or Harden that are going to blow up tonight and send the Bucks back home, gone fishing, just like what, what they say on, on NBC or whatever it is. And they're gone fishing. That's what's going to happen to them because everything that drives Kevin Durant is all the haters that say he can't do it by himself. He can't do that. You, it's just more fuel to his fire. And we have one of those in Michigan also, which is going to happen this year, which is Jared Goff, because nobody's giving him a shot. This guy's going to come out in this year and light him up. Every time you guys put down a, a player, they're going to light up the thing, and Kevin Durant's going to do that tonight. Well, look, uh, you know, I'm sure Jared Goff is, is motivated um, by stuff and, and – self-motivated and in a new situation, but let's not compare Jared Goff to Kevin Durant. Uh, that That's not really fair to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant says he only cares about hooping and doesn't care about all the nonsense that we do here in, in the, the media world. At the same time, Kevin Durant is clearly aware of almost everything that's being said about him. He's ubiquitous on Twitter. He's replying to stuff on Twitter. You know, the whole burner account thing from the past. All these things around Katie. I mean, he, he's he's active out there. So he knows what's being said. So when he says he doesn't care about it, I, I don't know if I fully believe that. Because if you don't care about it, you're not paying attention to it at all. Um, and, and he's paying attention to it. But I do believe that Kevin Durant thinks it's just basketball out there. And he's a pure wired hooper. Like, that's... I do believe that. I, I believe... Kevin Durant plays basketball because he loves basketball. Um, he doesn't overcomplicate it. I don't think he's going in thinking about his legacy. Uh, I, I think he's going in 
thinking about how to win that basketball game and, and having the utmost belief in his abilities to do so because he's a freak. He's a one of one. He's, you know, damn near seven feet tall. Can shoot from anywhere on the floor, shoot over people. And what he did the other night, like what he did in game five it is it's as good as the sport can be played. You could argue there have been performances that you think you'd put over it, but you can't definitively say anyone's ever played basketball at a higher level than he did the other night. So it's tough to ask for an encore of a performance like that. Um, Katie's going to be Katie. You know, Katie's going to score 30-something points, I'm sure, tonight. Is he going to get some help? And that, you know, for somebody who's had a lot of help throughout their career, that's the real question tonight. You know, who's going to help Kevin Durant? Because if he gets some help, the Nets are going to win the game. If he doesn't, they may not. 855-212-4227, game seven. Brooklyn, Milwaukee, at Barclays, in New York. Who you got? How much does it mean for Kevin Durant? 855-212-4227, at Robin Lundberg on Twitter. That's R-O-B-I-N-L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G. Has the um way that the, the NBA playoffs have played out with the injuries and everything else, has it actually made it more compelling? We'll get to that as well coming up next. It is the Robin Lundberg Show, and it's here with you on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Robin Lundberg Show. And we're talking NBA playoffs. To do so, I'm joined by Brian Mahoney, NBA writer for the Associated Press. And Brian, before we get to the big game tonight, let's go back to last night uh, for a minute. Uh, One of the big storylines is Rudy Gobert essentially being played into irrelevance by the Clippers who went small. Uh, is that the kind of thing that's just an indictment on you know his level of play overall, that as good as he's been, and of course he's won Defensive Players of the Year, the fact that there is a, a way to, to play him, or maybe should have played him off the floor, that, that doesn't put him on, on a, a star level? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, when he had the award ceremony for winning Defensive Player of the Year, he was kind of asked about that kind of thing, and he, he talked about, you know, he's so proud of how he finds a way to stay in the game now. His teams have gotten smaller and smaller. He's had to learn how to, you know, play on the perimeter and play uh, even bigger guys who go further outside. So uh, he's aware of this. He's used to it. Uh, you know, credit really, I think, to the Clippers, who just were so good that they, like you say, made him, you know, irrelevant in that second half. Yeah, for the Clippers, uh, obviously a big win and a comeback win, and and you know they get the performance of Terrence Mann and and Paul George maybe exercises some of it, you know the recent criticism that that he's gotten. But um, what they do in the the Western Conference Finals hinges in a lot of ways, I would imagine, still on the status of Kawhi Leonard. Have you heard anything on, on what, what Kawhi's availability may or may not be? No, you know I don't know if they're still doing testing uh, or if. We'll get a definitive answer. Uh, you know, I haven't heard anything beyond the concerns that, you know, it, it you know could be a longer-term type thing. Uh, you know, obviously, everyone would love to see him out there, especially, you know, this fan base has never seen them play in the conference finals, so it'd be too bad if he can't. But, uh, you know, when you're talking about a knee situation, and he's obviously had injuries last few years and been very careful managing them, uh, you know, if there's anything where he could make it worse, I'd be surprised if he took the chance. 
Now, as far as the other series last night, the, the Sixers win, um, get contributions from most people other than Ben Simmons offensively. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's been a lot of piling on him as of late. But do you now expect them to win that series in seven games, given they were able to get that, that one in Atlanta last night? Yeah, you know, I think there's sometimes, Robin, where you just, you know, you, you, if a young team like Atlanta, you don't get a third chance, uh, you know, to win on the road. Uh, you know, a veteran team who's been through this before, sure, I'd give anybody a shot. Uh, but, you know, a team like this, who this is really their first go-around at this, to have to think they'd have to go and now, uh, you know, win a third time against a top seed on the road, I, I don't really see that. Uh, you know, last night it was their chance. In my mind, uh, you know, I've been wrong before. Look, Trey Young has been fantastic, and, and uh, I guess, you know, you always got to give it, you know, anybody a shot. But I would certainly not pick them to, to go and, and win that game tomorrow night. Robin Lindbergh talking to Brian Mahoney, NBA writer for the Associated Press here on CBS Sports Radio. Now, tonight is the big one in, in Brooklyn. And, you know, Milwaukee, Brian, I, I think has outplayed the, the Nets for the, the vast majority of the minutes um, after Kyrie Irving went down. And, of course, you know, like I, there's people on – I, I brought this up earlier in the show but the the word excuses I've come to hate and despise the way people use it because if you were to say you know it has impacted the series drastically that Kyrie Irving went down and and James Harden was out and it is now limited I think that's just a fact that's just an explanation nevertheless the the Bucks have taken advantage of it and they've gotten it to a game seven in Brooklyn you know how much of this is going to come down to needing another virtuoso performance from Kevin Durant or how much of it is going to come down to you know where James Harden is physically? I mean, I think unfortunately for Nets fans, we kind of see where James Harden is. Uh, no one's even pretending that he has another gear right now. Uh, this is this is what he is. He's a, you know he's a he's a quarterback who, if you give him time, can find the right pass. But uh, if you you know he has no mobility, and that's a tough way to win. Uh, I think it all comes down to Durant, really. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, this series would probably be over by now. Uh, as you say, you know, Milwaukee has, has controlled the series in the last few games, and they just let, you know, the, they lost control of Durant in that game five. But uh, I have a hard time believing, even as great as he is, he can do that again. And without it, uh, we just haven't seen any other Nets guys right now you can reliably say are going to step up and have a great game tonight. At the same time, there's pressure on the other side, right? I mean, I, I thought, Brian, that the, the Bucks were unfairly you know, scrutinized to it uh, uh, almost to like an absurd degree after Game Five. I mean, ga- Game Five was a virtual. You know, it was a legendary performance from Kevin Durant. And could they have made some adjustments? Sure, of course. You know, like could they have? You know, Giannis not taken one fadeaway? Sure. Um, but I-, I think Giannis has played pretty damn well throughout this series. And one of the problems we have is that we sort of miscast him as a perimeter player or creator when he's more of a big and, and Middleton more serves that role for them. And I think um, in a lot of ways that that hyper scrutiny came as a result of the fact that a lot of people are rooting against the Nets. And when the Nets wound up winning that game, they needed somewhere to put those feelings. So they put them on, on the Bucks. But how, you know, how much is riding on this for, for Milwaukee as well? Because we, we, we pay all this attention to the superstars in Brooklyn. Milwaukee did a lot to get to this moment as well. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question and, in, you know, how, how Milwaukee would be viewed if they lose this game. On the one hand, you're supposed to say, okay, well, they're the team playing on the road against the higher seed. In theory, you're supposed to lose this game tonight if you're Milwaukee. On the other hand, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to look at it from a basketball standpoint and say they're the underdog tonight. Uh, you know, they have 
I, I think more things in their favor right now than, than Brooklyn does. And, uh, you know, if they were to let Kevin – look, I know he's Kevin Durant, and he's one of the best players I've ever seen and a lot I've ever seen, but uh, you can't let a guy score 50 points or a second time here. You know, they, they would have to make some kind of adjustment. If, if Durant gets hot and they can't figure it out this time, then I have to kind of question uh, where the Bucks were because I think they should be able to figure it out tonight. They've seen it enough now. You know, what about the idea of the championship or bust thing for Brooklyn? Because, you know, at full health, obviously, right? Like, I think the expectation – it would be a massive failure for them to lose. But, you know, context plays into everything. Circumstances play into everything. Of course, it's still a major disappointment if they don't win the championship. But I also think you, when you have that level of talent, you're looking at a window to win. Do you think it's, it's disaster for the Nets if they don't win tonight? I mean, that'll be the way it's looked at it to a lot of people. Uh, you know, certainly, as you say, those guys are under contract and they'll probably get another crack at it. Uh, I think it, you know, yes. Uh, in, in reality, when you build a team like this, it is championship or bust. Uh, you know, they've, they've been very open about that. And Kyrie Irving himself has said many times, you know, you don't put a collection of guys like this together very often. Uh, you don't, you know, you don't want to you miss your chance. But, sure, we'll be able to understand why it didn't happen. Uh, the injuries were, you know, an incredibly bad break for them to, to lose one and a half of their three guys at this time. But the bottom line is, yeah, you're supposed to win, and they would, wouldn't even get halfway there if they lose tonight. Robin Lundberg talking to Brian Mahoney, NBA writer for the Associated Press. Speaking of those injuries, you know, there was the, the tweet that LeBron had earlier this week. And, you know, I understand his frustration in the sense that he was probably planning to, you know, win the MVP, win the title, and celebrate all the way to Space Jam. Uh, I also <laughs> know that he, he, you know, felt this way at the beginning of the season. And I, and I do think it was unfair to the Lakers, the Heat, maybe the Nuggets, the, the, the Celtics, the way it happened. At the same time, I didn't love the, the timing uh, of what he, he said because, uh, Brian, to me this is a situation where the NBA was dealt a tough hand just like everybody else and had to make tough decisions. They didn't make them unilaterally. The Players Association was involved. I, I think you know the, the way the game is so explosive today, um, it's just going to lend itself to more injuries, and it's common sense that could be exacerbated by – uh, less rest than a condensed schedule. But some of the injuries, including LeBron's, weren't overuse injuries. And I, I just don't feel like there always needs to be something or someone to blame. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I see both sides of it. And, uh, you know, I, I thought the turnaround was too quick. Uh, just, you know, I wasn't ready to start up again. And I'm not a player who, you know, played all the way through like LeBron did. Uh, I think LeBron's frustration, and I think the one mistake that Adam Silver and the NBA made was was sort of downplaying the idea they were going to come back in December. It sounded like Adam Silver said it's going to be January, and then Adam Silver said there wasn't going to be an all-star game probably, and then they had an all-star game. And I think LeBron got mad at, you know, he kept thinking I was going to get my time off here, and he never did. And I think that was the issue. Uh, as far as coming back and playing, they all knew. Uh, it was very clear that the finances were in a bad situation. They had to play. Uh, of course, the players were going to sign off on that, just like the owners. But in an ideal world, I think, you know, he would have gotten more rest than he did. And the stuff now, the injuries are probably not for the reason of coming back too soon now. They are just happening. But it makes it easier to say, you see, I was right, no matter when they do actually happen. 
And look, you never want to see stars go down. I, no, you never want to see anybody go down. You never want to see anybody get injured, and and especially like stars. You know, there is a a little bit of a deflating thing when when you don't get to see the stars play. But there is a a counter argument that in some ways the playoffs have been more compelling as a result of the circumstances, simply due to the uncertainty we're sitting here with today. It's not that often where I I would you know wake up this deep into the playoffs and and really not be sure which team is going to win or, or have it down to one or two. Well, that's a great point. I mean, how many times are you right? Have we, you know, through the course of, you know, the last 30, 40 years, wondering how many teams actually get a shot to win. And now you're right. I have no idea who it's going to be. Uh, that is good. I mean, I guess it's, it, you know, the flip side is it's not good to get it there that way. Uh, you'd rather just have every team be, you know, sort of a parity situation instead of having to rely on certain guys going down, I guess. But you're right. The bottom line is uh, there is this compelling action and, and, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully it's not remembered because of the injuries as much as, you know, I fear it might be. Uh, you know, I know people want to say there's an asterisk and this and that, but injuries do happen every year. And, you know, you still got to play great basketball and win 16 games, whether you're healthy or not. And, you know, someone's going to do that. And I think it'll be a worthy champion. I agree. With, I, I don't. I just don't believe in asterisks in general. Circumstances always play a role yeah, right. in defining the championship. It just there are different circumstances one year to the next, uh, and, and and you deal with, with the cards that you are dealt. Brian, appreciate your time this morning. Enjoy Game Seven uh, tonight and the the rest of the weekend. Thanks, Robin. You too. You're listening to the Robin Lundberg Show. Let's go to Chris in Alabama. Chris, you're on the Robin Lundberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio. Hi, Robin. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, I was calling about James Harden. Now, look, do not believe the hype with this guy. He's done this before. He's fooled us in the regular season to get to the playoffs to choke. He did it with OKC versus the Miami Heat. He did it with the Rockets versus the Warriors. He's let me down too many times, Robin. I don't believe yeah, he's going to do it tonight. I don't, this has nothing to do with the postseason, though. I mean, first of all, look, has James Harden been his absolute best in the postseason? No. And you're right about the NBA Finals against uh, Miami. He was terrible. Um, he was the best player for the Thunder, though, in that Western Conference Finals against the Spurs. And the last several years, he's averaged about 30 points a game for the Rockets in, in the playoffs. It's not like he's like not doing anything and choking. This has nothing to do with the playoffs, James Harden's limited. You could see it. I mean, couldn't even accelerate the other night. He had to protect himself from trying to initiate a fast break. So I don't think it's fair to try and use this to, you know, uh, continue to add to a playoff narrative around James Harden. I got you. He just, he's hurt me too many times before, and I can't go with him this time. I can't go with the Nets this time. I'm looking for the Bucks to pull it out. Hey, I don't but- see the Nets winning the championship. That's that's your right. It's, you can call it. I mean, look, I I I, th- I don't think picking the Bucks is. I mean, it's a one and a half point spread. I mean, the the Bucks certainly can win the game tonight. Very well, may win the game tonight. All I'm saying is, I I don't think you can really hold it against James Harden, given he's clearly you know this has nothing to do with the playoffs. He's he's limited. He's he's on a bum hamstring. All right, we've talked about that and we've talked about a lot else on the show. But what about the things we have not gotten to? Time to do that right now in another one. All 
All right, Anthony, what is up first? All right, so uh, Brad Stevens' first big move as president of basketball operations. He sends Kemba Walker to Oklahoma City and brings Al Horford back to Boston. Is this move a win for the Celtics? Uh, I mean, I, I don't a win for the Celtics. It, it's Kemba Walker in Boston did not work out. Um, you know, he he's limited by injury. That was a really bad contract. He clearly was not, you know, the piece to replace Kyrie Irving that people thought he may be. Al Horford has familiarity there, still has something to offer at this point in his career, though he's, he's later in his career. He can help them. This was more about getting off of Kemba Walker's contract, I believe, than anything else. That's why you attach a, a first-round pick in, in order to move him to OKC. OKC doesn't really care about his contract because they're not in win-now mode. So they take the first-round pick in exchange for eating Walker's contract. Walker probably winds up getting moved somewhere else at, at some point. Um, they actually really did a similar thing with Al Horford before. And, and now, you know, they're, they're moving Al Horford the other way. But Kemba still has uh, a few years left on that massive deal at, at almost $40 million a, a year. So I, I don't think it changes much for Boston. I could see why Boston fans would be you know, happy with the move. It, it puts more of the uh, onus on their younger stars in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, of course, but I don't feel differently about the, the Celtics as like contenders next year as a result of this move. What's next? All right. So Rick Carlisle stepped down after 13 seasons as head coach of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Stan Van Gundy fired by the Pelicans after just one season on the bench. So we now have a total of seven head coach vacancies. So we have Boston, Dallas, New Orleans, Indiana, Orlando, Portland, and Washington. So which job do you think is the best? And also, uh, not only did Rick Carlisle step down, but uh, we saw Donnie Nelson go bye-bye this week for the Mavericks. So should Maverick fans be concerned? Um, Not really. I don't think so uh, for, for Dallas Mavericks fans because they're still in a better position than most teams. They, they need to improve that roster. But when you have a Luka Doncic in place – you're in better play, position than most teams. And I, I know there's always these speculation about somebody going somewhere else. I, I would be stunned if he wound up going somewhere else. One, because um, the players don't leave before taking that first big extension. I mean, we, I, we've never seen a player um, do that because it's like a $20 million loss if they're to leave at that point. Wait, that's why you always see guys leave around their seventh season. Um, not to say it could never happen. I guess you could, you know, you can never say never, but I would be stunned. And, and it seems to me some of these moves, particularly the head coaching move, are about the um, appealing to Luca, or about, you know, giving Luca more control. Because Rick Carlisle is a great coach, no question. His track record speaks for itself. But he's also a micromanager, and Luca's a freestyler. So I, I think there was tension there probably as a result of that so Luca's going to get to handpick his next coach or at least have a, a large say in in who his next coach will be now when, when it comes to which head coaching vacancy is the most attractive that's always goes down to the stars as well right I mean I, I could easily construct the the argument that 
it is the Dallas job because of the presence of Luka Doncic, the age of of, of Luka. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of work to be done on that roster overall. Obviously, the Portland one has some appeal due to, to Dame Lillard and, and how great a, a player he is. But I would probably go with Dallas um, because you have, you know, a, a star who's at the age that he's at in Luka Doncic. And I don't know if you can, you know, replicate that anywhere else. Uh, you, you have, um, you know, New Orleans. We'll, we'll see how good Zion Williamson becomes. And, and that certainly has some appeal. But I, I would say it's Dallas um, because of Luka's presence. What's next? So Ben Robach and Vincent Goodwill, they published a list for Yahoo Sports this week of 10 potential NBA head coaching candidates. And John Calipari is part of it. The reporters say that they were told by multiple sources that uh, Calipari is open to leaving Kentucky for the NBA. One executive told Yahoo Sports that Calipari may have maxed out at Kentucky. Another said the changing landscape of college basketball has the Hall of Famer considering his options. College basketball is a sinking ship, the exec said. He is much different than his first go-around, but that ego is hard to tame. Calipari signed a uh, lifetime deal with Kentucky two years ago. He's 62 years older right now will uh, Calipari make a return to the NBA I mean look it's certainly possible uh, real quick on the, the previous question I forgot to mention Boston too Boston's right at the top of those vacancies I hear Brad Stevens name and I'm thinking him as the coach obviously he's not the coach anymore uh, Calipari <laughs> it, you know he, he seems to be able to relate to players and strategically his biggest innovation was like a dribble drive offense which is you know a lot of the NBA game today drive and kick drive and kick drive and kick so I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he returns to the NBA he wouldn't have to deal with some of that stuff you're, you're talking about with, with college basketball recruiting violations and uh, where the, the sport is headed and, and everything like that. And, and I, I think he has respect from the NBA players, whatever it is about Calipari, he's able to connect with players. Um, it, it's why he's been um, so good at recruiting. You know, he, he's dealt with obviously stars uh, relative to the college level. Um, and, and he's been around the game for a long time. So it, it would not surprise me in the slightest to see Calipari on, on an NBA sideline. What's next? So Angels two-way player Shohei Otani announced yesterday that he's taking part in the home run derby set for July the 12th at Coors Field in Colorado. Otani is the first Japanese-born player to take part in an MLB home run derby and the first individual to do so after making at least one MLB pitching start. He has 21 home runs this season, which is third in Major League Baseball. Is Otani the most exciting player to watch in baseball today? Yeah, I, I, I think so. He, he's doing stuff that we haven't seen before, right? Um, it, you know, when you, you start bringing up Babe Ruth or 100 years since something has been done, I, I, I think that, that has to capture your imagination. Um, and, and whether you're a fan of hitting or you're a fan of pitching, get you a man who can do both, right? And and, and you're seeing that with Shohei Otani. I, I think the question is, is he the best player in Major League Baseball? That's something that needs to be proven over time. You know, can you keep it up? And, and of course, you know, Mike Trout, his teammate's one of the best players in the history of the sport. And uh, Mookie Betts, a great player. Tatis, you know, there are great players throughout the sport. But 
is there anybody who's providing more value than Shohei Otani right now? You know, his OPS, 9-9-1. You know, he's got uh, 21 home runs on, on, on the season. And at, at the same time, he, he's pitching. <laughs> right and he, he's pitching well to a you know a, a good ERA a, a good good numbers across the board so I, I don't think there's a, a better show in baseball than Shohei what's next all right and uh, finally uh, James Gunn who of course uh, directs you know the um, the Guardians of the Galaxy for Marvel and uh, now the Suicide Squad for DC he was asked on Twitter by a fan Will we ever see a crossover between the two? And uh, Gunn replied, I've casually talked to the powers that be at both Marvel Marvel and DC about it. I would love for it to happen. I don't think it's likely, but I don't think it's an impossibility either. That said, I just consist um, that said, just consistently seeing crossovers and mashups is less enchanting to me than a strong story. So will we ever see a crossover, Robin? I don't want to say never. Uh, Marvel's so into their their own thing, and they they world build so well that I I think they're just focused on their their own stuff. Um, is you know a big Marvel versus DC thing? They they did it in the comics once, so I wouldn't rule it out in the movies. I wouldn't want it to be just Guardians of the Galaxy against Suicide Squad, squad, squad though. You got to bring the heavy hitters in. The problem is like the Justice League stuff just hasn't been to the quality of the the Avengers stuff. So. That's got to match up first before I think you can consider a crossover. That's been the Robin Lundberg Show for this week. I'm back with you next Saturday. Ken Carmen's coming up next. Enjoy Game 7. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.